0: Good morning everyone and welcome to Mercy Vineyard Church online. In case we haven't met, my name is Wendy Bazat, and I'm the co-lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard Church. And before we get started with the message today, I want to say our mission statement together. So um, if you know it, say it with me. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. So right now in this season you are likely experiencing lots of emotions (laughs) i know i have you may feel angry or sad or lonely and maybe you've been taught that some emotions are negative and should be ignored or should be um pushed aside and maybe you even feel frustrated with yourself because you're experiencing them in the first place. Like um, having thoughts like I should be able to handle this better. And it's possible that we don't always see the connection between our emotional selves and our spiritual self. But if you have been struggling emotionally right now, how would you say your spiritual life has been affected? And I think that Lots of times as Christians, we are taught that feelings are unreliable. They're not to be trusted. And I don't know that I was ever taught that, um, that or taught that it, some emotions are negative or bad and need to be ignored. I don't know that that was ever explicitly said to me. But at some point in my spiritual journey, I realized that I presented well, but there was a lot under the surface. So, like, I was a nice person and I was respectful to others, but I would sometimes ignore or cover up wounds inflicted by other people um, to avoid conflict whenever possible. Uh, I prayed and I served God, but I did a lot for God rather than spend time with God. I gave in to the pressure to present myself as spiritually strong and having it all together. Covering up weakness and brokenness, because I don't want anybody to see me like that. And these are all signs of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And maybe you don't identify with those, but you may with one or two of these. Here's some other signs. Using God to run from God. So that's usually when your prayers are more about God doing my will, not me surrendering to his will. Or dying to the wrong things, dying to healthy, God-given desires, denying the past's impact on the present, dividing life into secular and sacred compartments, um, living without limits or biting off more than we can chew, and judging the spiritual journey of others. So today we're beginning a four-part series on Emotionally Healthy Spirituality based on the book by the same name by Peter Schizero. And I want to take a look at Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Jesus is answering the Pharisees' question about which is the greatest commandment. And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind is the greatest commandment. So that means that our emotional health is extremely important to God because it's all connected. Our spirit, our soul, and our body And when one area is lacking, it affects the others. So emotional health is concerned primarily with loving others well. It connects us to our interior life, and it makes it possible for us to see and treat others as worthy of respect or as made in the image of God, which we all are. And for that reason, self-awareness is a must to emotional health and loving well. We cannot love and respect others if we do not love and respect ourselves. Verse 34, or no, it was uh, 39, that said, Love your neighbor as yourself. So love your neighbor, we get that. We're used to hearing that, right? But it's the as yourself part that we tend to skip over. Love our neighbor as ourselves, but we can't love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves. And our emotional health also impacts our image of God, and including our ability to hear His voice and to discern His will. So it's not either our feelings are unreliable and not to be trusted, or every feeling needs to be dissected and thoroughly explored, because sometimes we're just tired or hungry, right? It's a both and. God actually speaks to us through the feeling realm in a way that does not compromise his truth. And scripture reveals to us a God that feels. And of course we need to maintain a balance between our intellect and our feelings. But how do we ascertain where we are in that balance? And how do we begin to cultivate emotionally healthy spirituality? We're going to talk about that, but first let's pray. Father, I thank you that you care about all of us, the whole of us, spirit, soul, and body. And Lord, for that reason, we want to pay attention to the things that you care about. So God, would you speak and reveal your truth to us this morning? God, would you bring down the walls in the areas where we have um, blocked ourselves off from your truth? And God, we just we ask you for transformation, and we pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you promise to lead us into all truth. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what I want you to remember this morning. Becoming my authentic self brings greater freedom in Christ. Now, I'm not talking about the freedom to say or do whatever we please. I'm speaking about the freedom of being who God created us to be. Our authentic selves find their worth and value in God's inexhaustible love for us. And God has shaped us with unique um, personalities, thoughts, desires, dreams, gifts, right? He has planted the true seeds of self inside each one of us. But there are three powerful temptations that threaten us and try to keep us believing that we're not good enough and keep us from being our authentic self. Um, And the first temptation is this, I am what I do. That's what we call the performance trap, right? And our culture asks the question, what have you achieved? It's all about what have we accomplished. And we tend to measure ourselves by our successes. And when we don't succeed by the world's standards, we might move faster and push harder, or we might go inward into depression and shame, or we might blame others for our situation. Um, the second temptation is, I am what I have. So that's all about our possessions. Uh, we tend to compare ourselves with others, don't we? Who has the most money, or who has the better body, or who has the most talent, or whatever, and, or the most comfortable life. And we worry about what accolades we collect, and where do our kids go to school, and how are they doing in school, and, and what does that look like to others, And when we don't have certain things by a certain time, we might wonder what's wrong with us. Uh, When Lee and I bought our first house, we had been married for, I think, 22 years. (laughs) That was the first time we purchased a house. And the 22 years prior, it was easy for us to sometimes think, maybe we should be in this spot. Everybody else we know owns a house. Maybe we should. So we tend to compare ourselves with what others um, are doing or what they have. And the third temptation is I am what others think. Now, this is a big one in our culture because so much is measured in likes and follows, right? And some of us are addicted to what others think. And there is no freedom in that. True freedom comes when we no longer need to be special in other people's eyes because we already know that we are lovable, that we are good enough, and that we are um, special in God's eyes. So at times, though, our false self has become such a part of who we are that we can't even tell the difference. We don't even realize that we're not being our true selves. But the consequences, like fear, um self-destructive tendencies, self-indulgence, a need to distinguish ourselves from others, those consequences of not being our true self, those are harder to hide. Remaining faithful to your true self involves distinguishing your true self from the demands and the voices around you and discerning who God has made you to be. And you can actually have your own beliefs, your your own goals and values apart from the pressures around you, apart from the pressures of the world, and based on what God says. You can choose before God how you want to be without being controlled by the approval or the disapproval of others. And stress or intense feelings or anxiety does not have to overwhelm your ability to think clearly. We can become so used to not being our true self that it's hard to know where to begin. Um, The journey requires following God into the unknown, removing the false layers that we wear. And it's going to be difficult. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit, who makes his home in us, will give us the grace to walk forward. John 16, 13 tells us that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. So let's talk about four things that you can do to begin this transition. It's not, something that, it's not something where you follow these steps and then you will have arrived in this place of emotionally healthy spirituality, but rather it's a journey that we take um, throughout our lifetime. The first thing is this. Be alone so you can listen. Distractions keep us from listening to what's going on inside of us. And silence and solitude give us the opportunity to discern more what's happening inside of us. So it may feel odd to make this a part of your prayer life, but to take time to acknowledge your feelings before God is actually healthy. And especially, I believe, right now in the season that we're all in, it is extremely important for us to take time to acknowledge our feelings before God we like to stay busy or distracted to avoid our feelings, but what's going on inside of you is true whether you acknowledge it or not, so you may as well be aware of it and acknowledge it. Simply feeling the full weight of your feelings without judgment, without judging them, and journaling them can open an avenue for the Lord to speak to you through them and begin some healing. Silence and solitude are spiritual disciplines modeled by Moses, by David, and by Jesus. They're foundational to emotionally healthy spirituality. Be alone so you can listen. This is so important. Next, find truth tellers. So there are two main forces that will threaten to hinder our journey to emotionally healthy spirituality. First, the pressure of others Um, to keep us living as the people that they know us to be, right? Whether that's good or bad. And second, our own stubborn wills that would keep us in self-deception. So it's important to find people to whom we can tell the truth and who will be truthful with us even when it's hard to hear. Now, this can be a mature friend, a mentor, a spiritual director, a counselor, a therapist, And maybe right now, as I say this, you're thinking, I don't have anyone to walk with me through this journey. And if that's you, pray. Ask God to show you who this person would be in this season of your life, because you might be surprised who he highlights to you. Oftentimes, God leads us to people who are very different from us, but they can help us see the things that we might not see in ourselves. And ask people, if you, if you still can't think of anybody, ask people you respect for suggestions. And if you need a spiritual director or a counselor, talk to Lee or myself. We have recommendations we can give you. Um, but even if you don't want to go that route, I know that each of us has someone, and maybe it's just someone you haven't thought of before, that we can find to speak truth into our lives. Another step is to move out of your comfort zone. We're all not in our comfort zone right now. (laughs) So this is especially difficult right now because we all want to be more comfortable. But dying to your false self and allowing your truth self out can be frightening. For some of you, giving or receiving a compliment feels wrong. It's just foreign to you. For others, to enter into conflict feels like you're for sure going to (laughs) die. You're not going to make it out. And for some, asking for help feels like a complete failure. To begin to do things differently is going to feel awkward. It just is. So do it in small steps. When I began this journey, which I'm still on, it was difficult for me to confront someone who had hurt me. So I practiced with people that I knew would stay. People that I knew were safe. If I share this with them, they're not going to leave me right? I still don't love it. I still do not like to confront, but I do it when necessary because I've learned that it leads to greater intimacy rather than the divide that we think it's going to cause. It actually brings us closer. Change is hard, but living a life that God did not give you to live is harder. So ask yourself, am I living faithfully to the life God has asked me to live? And finally, allow the present to be a window into the past. So the blessings and the sins of our families going back impact who we are today. And discipleship requires putting off the old negative or sinful patterns of our family of origin and relearning to do things God's way in God's family. Ephesians 4, 22-24 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's our calling. And family patterns can be played out in our present relationships without us necessarily being aware of it. It just comes naturally. All families... I don't care what kind of family you came from, all families have unspoken rules and expectations. And though most parents did the very best that they could, they came from families with unspoken rules and expectations. And they brought things with them from childhood as well. And when we allow things to sit and when we allow unhealed wounds to fester, they open us up to habitual sin against God and against others. So the good news is, the more that we know about our families, the more we know about ourselves, and the more freedom we have to make decisions about how we want to be, how we want to live. Allow God to help you review these things of your family of origin, and if you can, do it in community. Do it with other people um, surrounding you and supporting you in it. This is something that we have to do together. And I know this is a lot. Right, These are a lot of things in a sh- really sh- quick message, but I really encourage you to get the book, so we'll put a link for it in the group, and then we'll, we'll put it in the comments on the page so that you can order it today, and you can read through it and work through it. But here's my challenge for you today, because we all have to start somewhere in the journey, and that's to ask yourself, am I living faithfully to the life God has asked me to live? And if your answer to the question is no, I want to encourage you to tell someone. And as I said, we have names of counselors or spiritual directors. If you want to take that route, if you don't and you just want to share with a friend, do that. Our prayer team would be happy to pray with you for courage and guidance, and they keep everything confidential. So you can um, request prayer on our website, or you can send an email, and we get it out to the prayer team. But tell someone. If if you feel that you cannot answer that question, yes, I am living faithfully to the life God has asked me to live. And other than telling someone, if you only do one thing from today's message, I want to encourage you to do this because we have more time than ever to do this, most of us, is to take time in silence and solitude. Allow God to help you to get to know yourself from the inside out. It's it can be a painful process we can end up seeing things we did not want to see but we have to decide that the pain to continue in a life that god did not ask us to live is greater than the pain of change so as we move through the next through uh, three weeks of this series of emotionally healthy spirituality please read the book please spend time in silence and solitude asking god to speak to you through your emotions, through the things that he's beginning to show you so that you can become more aware of the things that he wants to do in you. So let's pray. God, I thank you again that you care about every single part of us. And Lord, as we ponder that question today, am I living faithfully to the life that God has asked me to live? Am I true to the person that God has made me to be? God, I pray that you would give us the courage to strip off the layers that don't belong and to become the person that you made us to be. Father, I ask that you give us the courage and the grace to take whatever steps we need to take and to decide that it's worth it. And to understand that this journey is not only for our own benefit, but it's for the benefit of those around us, for our children, for our spouses, for for our communities. Because when we become more like you created us to be, we can be more like you to the world. And so God, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for this journey that you bring us on. In Jesus' name, amen.